Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 New Eastern Standard Time as Deborah Hardnett, CEO of Deborah Hardnett International and founder of The Professional Black Woman, showcase the triumphant journeys of these powerful sisters. You will be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278. Today's broadcast is brought to you by www.wealthysisters.com, where the show can be heard 24 hours a day. And now your host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the professional black woman. You can visit us at www.thepbw.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-figure earning women of color, and our purpose is twofold. First, we love to inspire and encourage you, the listener, and second, we want to edify, promote, acknowledge, and say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live from the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and today happens to be Monday, January 31st, 2011, and I hope you are as excited about your future as I am because it is very, very bright, and I trust you know that. Trust me, trust me, it is. You know, we are here every week at the same time. That's Mondays at 12 noon Eastern, so we need you to go and spread the word. Now, I got a question for you. Have you ever had a piece of buttermilk pound cake when it's fresh out of the oven. I mean, the kind that you can just smell. I mean, it's so good. The crust is just right at the top. Well, I know what I have. I I don't always just take one. I always want to go back and get another piece. Well, that's what I like in last week's show, too. Our show was so good. It was wonderful about protecting your brand. And we got such an amazing response from you, the listener. Our switchboards were flooded with questions that we had to go back for another slice. So today is part two of Is Your Brand Protected? Our very special guest is Aurelia mitchell Durant. Esquire, and she will be covering today the top legal mistakes, the top 10, shall I say, legal mistakes that people make in business. And I I was teasing with her. I know I said I probably made a few of those on your list, so I cannot wait uh, to hear that. So we need everybody right now to grab your pens, your tablets, your paper, you know, whatever you're going to use to take great notes. And also, do yourself and your friends a favor. Call them, email Email them, tweet them, text them, Facebook them right now and tell them to dial 347-838-9278. Get your questions ready. Press 1 so that we know that you have a question. Again, that number is 347-838-9278. Or you can tune in live on Wealthy Sisters. That's Wealthy Sisters, Wealthy Sisters, S-I-S-T-A-S dot com on the web. And we also like to remind everybody that you can follow us us here. Uh, Mark, our show is your favorite so that you can get reminders about the show and the updates. And and you can even find us on Facebook um, as well and Twitter on the Deborah Hartnett and Wealthy Sisters. So our guest, just to remind you, she is the talented and dynamic, as we know, as Aurelia Mental Durant. Uh, she, she's been working since she's 14 years old. She has a, a background that is just out of sight. She's a graduate of Temple University and Rutgers University School of Law. She embarked on a a career centered around intellectual property law, concentrating on trademarks and copyrights. And since 2001, she's operated her own law office and has been extremely successful as an entrepreneur in the music world, helping out there as well. In addition to her activities as a practicing attorney and assisting entertainers entertainers rather with legal matters, Through her entertainment management firm, Aurelia has served on several board of directors of nonprofit organizations. When you get to know her, you'll find that she is a philanthropist. She has a a huge heart, and she actually sees her business as a ministry to help 
business owners protect their brand. So when we come back, you we will hear from none other again with part two of Is Your Brand Protected from none other than Miss Aurelia Mitchell Durant Esquire. Stay tuned after this short commercial break. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Permal Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Available in stores November 2000. Did you know the IRS will currently reimburse you 55 cents for every business mile you drive? Stop struggling with mileage logs and start turning your vehicle mileage into cash. TrackLog is the first comprehensive automatic mileage recording solution. Turn this small device on, easily track your mileage, and keep more of your money in your pocket. Purchase your TrackLog today at TRAKLOGG.com. That's TRAKLOGG.com. Yes, we are live back on Wealthy Sisters. Excited to be here as always. I want to thank each and every one of you for joining our audience today. And also want to remind you that you can listen to this show and all of our other shows at www.wealthysisters.com. Our very special guest today is Aurelia Mitchell Durant Esquire. And she's going to be talking about the top 10 mistakes that we make in business. So this is part two to Is Your Brand Protected? And we want to say welcome back, Miss Aurelia. How are you? How- Thank you so much for having me. I, I, the analogy of the pound cake made me hungry this this morning, for real. <laughs> Girl, yes, that buttermilk pound cake. Yes, yes, yes. I remember my grandmother so well. I'm going to have to make one this weekend in honor of her. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, we really feel that way about the show because, uh, like I said, the response has been great. I mean, the downloads and the questions and so, and so many other people wanted to ask more questions. So we, we're just grateful that you found time to share with us again today. Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about um, intellectual property last week, and just just for those who are here uh, for the first time and may not have had the opportunity to catch last week's show, why don't you give us a little bit of uh, information on what intellectual property is and as a business owner what that brand is and how we can protect it. And then we want to hear those mistakes uh, that okay. uh, I know I said I, I probably made some as well. So okay. just, just okay. let us know about that. Uh-huh. Well, well, like I said uh, previously, intellectual property, I call it dreams on paper, and mm-hmm. that's where um, your your business idea, which is your baby, your 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 goal for how you're going to um, prosper, you know, the thing that's been birthed inside of you is your business. And intellectual property is the means that allows you to be able to protect it um, because it's something that's valuable, and that's why it's called property. Um, and so there are things that you can do to protect protect it. You can register a trademark or a copyright. Um, and one of the one of the main top ten legal business mistakes is not addressing intellectual property concerns at the beginning. Um, and that's something that can be devastating to small business owners because you may find that when you get around to registering your trademark or registering your your business name, that it's already taken. You know, and and you may be in a situation where you may have to change your whole business plan as a result of you're not taking care of that at the beginning. So you know, that's wow. one of the the main business mistakes. Wow, you know. that's like the first thing you're saying. So before we get print those business cards and we run out and and maybe even if we we bought that domain name, that doesn't mean that that's not you're saying that it hadn't been trademarked or it wasn't registered before. No, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that, and that's a lot of confusion in the market. I'll give you an example. There was a lady in Utah who opened up a restaurant. It was a bakery, rather. It was called Dough Girl, and um, she was operating in her local area, never registered a trademark, never thought to register a trademark, and Pillsbury, of Pillsbury Doughboy fame, happened upon her little bakery and mm. sent her a notice to close down. They sent her what's mm. called a cease and desist because mm-hmm. of the likelihood of confusion between 
Doe Girl and Doe Boy. And so they filed an infringement action against her, and they won, and she had to change the name of her business. You know, and wow. you know how much we spend on marketing. That's a yes. major price to pay for yes. not getting your brand protected at the beginning. Before you start marketing and calling yourself Doe Girl, you back up a little bit and make sure that you've protected that brand and that you can even have it, you know. Wow. That is, I mean, I can only imagine how she felt or what, I mean, the cost that you talked about, just just having people to shift their minds that, you know, it's not the name of this store anymore, it's something else That's now. Right. That's, That's right. That's that, right. And that she had awesome. been in her community for 10 years, Deborah. So she oh, was there and oh, was a fixture goodness. for 10 years. And then they, they finally got around to finding out that she was there. You know, mm-hmm. but there was a way to handle that, and there was a way to get permission if it indeed was really a likelihood of confusion. You mm-hmm. could have done that at the beginning. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's something that's very, very important and a very costly mistake. So when you say permission, I mean, she could have done that. She would have written to Pillsbury to to ask, or what kind of permission? Well, what happens is when you go to register a trademark, there's a notice requirement where the trademark office sends notice letting everyone else in the trademark world, in the business world, know that you seek to register this particular mark. And at that point, Pillsbury could have, happened upon her registration, and because she was local and only in Utah, they could have given her a license to be able to be Doe Girl for that particular area. Mm-hmm. So they would have oh, given her permission okay. to use it for her geographic area. Okay. Or okay. if they were going to persist in, in claiming that she was infringing, she could have changed her name You know, she could have changed her name at the very beginning instead of uh, getting 10 years down the road and there was an issue. Okay, I see, Mm -hmm. I see. So I know last week we also talked about um, the young lady that was with Sunday's Best. You know, are are those examples like that uh, pretty common? I mean, that's definitely one. You don't want to start building your business and then 10 years down the road you've got to change the name because a company is, is has that right to that name or a similar, you know, uh, to the name is similar to theirs. Uh, and are there other examples that you can share with the audience just so that we can understand the importance of this, of really protecting mm-hmm. the brand? Well, I mean, there, there's there's loads of examples of, of people that have come up with ideas and concepts mm-hmm. and they didn't bring it to market. Like, for example, um, there's a, a lot of patent issues where people have devised a patent idea, you know, for like a new a new tricycle. Um I my son has a tricycle with a um it's a radio flyer and at the top there's a handle so that I can have control without having to bend over, you know, in order to push him on his tricycle. So he thinks he has control but I have ultimate control as he's mm-hmm. riding on his tricycle. And that's mm-hmm. something that the patent is pending on. Okay? Mm-hmm. And patent pending means that they haven't gone through the process yet. So there could be someone out there that thinks that they're developing this idea and have no idea that there's still there's a pending patent with Radio Flyer for the thing that they're working on. So the examples are numerous, and it, it, it's important at the beginning to do your intellectual property research because there's nothing new under the sun for the most part. And it may be someone that has developed it, it's pending, and you think that it's new to you. So then when you go to register it, you can't have it because it's already an idea that somebody else has put to paper, you know. So I think the most important thing is that you save yourself a whole lot of time, effort, and drama if you do the intellectual property research at the beginning and get that in order before you start marketing, before you start telling anybody, of course you know, that you get that in order. Mm. So that's, you said, one of the first steps 
the first top ten things that we do is is not doing that research up front, which can be very costly and t- and really loss of time and everything. What would be the second thing that that sticks out on your list? Well, the there? second thing is uh, is related to the confusion with intellectual property, and that is when a business is not incorporated early enough, mm-hmm. or you choose the wrong form of business. Because you think because your neighbor set up an LLC that that's the form for you. Okay. That's a big mistake because down the road, if you realize that you are really a corporation because you want to give out shares, for example, because you need to raise revenue for your business and you want to give people a piece of the pie, you can't do that as easily with an LLC. Okay. So it's important at the beginning that you incorporate early, but you also have to pick the right form of business. You can't just pick a form of business that you heard about. It has to be something that you understand. Okay. You know, and that's, that's that's the second biggest business mistake. So like the business structure you're saying, whether it's an LLC or uh, 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 incorporated, what, what, do you mind sharing with us what the differences are? And when you hear people say they're doing business as or a sole proprietor, do you mind sharing mm-hmm. what those differences are? Sure, sure. A sole proprietor is someone that is doing business without incorporating. And that's mm-hmm. a dangerous way to do business because the benefit of incorporating is that you get limited liability. And what that means is that if there is an action filed against your business, let's Uh say that you have a storefront and somebody falls down and Uh they get hurt beyond the limits of your insurance and they Uh decide to sue the business. Well, if Uh you were incorporated, then they wouldn't be able to come after your personal assets. They'd only Uh be able to get the assets of the business, and that's Uh what limited liability is. So sole proprietorship is a dangerous way uh, to do business. There's also what's called a corporation, which is called a C-corp. And that is the standard form of business that we remember when we were when we were kids. Back in those days, there was only one form of business. It was a C-corp. So you were always incorporated. INC was what you used. The difference is that if you have a C-corp, you get double taxed because you're taxed okay. as a shareholder of the business, and then you're also taxed personally. Okay. So the government decided to give us something called Subchapter S, which allows us to not be taxed doubly on a corporation. The difference okay. between a corporation and an LLC is that an LLC lets you have members. So, like, if you have an uncle that's going to give you money to start the business, but he doesn't want to be involved day to day, you can make him a limited member of the LLC. So he's still a part of the puzzle, but he just doesn't have any control. Okay. 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 Whereas okay. in a corporation, if you have shareholders, they have control commensurate with the amount of shares that they own. So if you have okay. an uncle and you give him 50 shares, he can vote. You know, okay. he has to say so. So okay. the difference is if you think you're going to have shareholders and you want to use your business to raise money, let's say you your business is valuable and you go to your friends and you say, I'm selling shares for $20 a piece because I'm trying to raise money because I don't want to get a loan, that's a corporation. If you don't have a need to do that, then you go into an LLC. But what has happened is a lot of business owners go into an LLC not understanding what the difference is and they go into it because the paperwork, the application may look like it's less work or, you know, it may look like an easier way to incorporate, but down the road it could become problematic if you decide that you actually want to sell shares mm-hmm. because see. you can't do that as easily with an LLC. I see, I see. Yeah. So 
So, I mean, I know we got we have uh, our, our phone lines are lighting up and if people have questions. If you have a question, you can dial 347-838-9278, press 1, and uh, we will do our very best to get to your question as well. In the chat room, uh, we have a question from The Millionaire Journey, and uh, she says, I have a T-shirt company that has been in business since 2004. Someone else markets T-shirts with the same slogan but hasn't trademarked it. Uh, should I trademark to protect myself even if they were using it first? That is a great question. That's a great question. Uh, well, I mean, it depends. I mean, it, it depends mm-hmm. on whether or not – see, they may have a copyright on the T-shirt logo. Uh-huh. So you have to – you know, it may not be done as a trademark because, remember, a T-shirt – a T-shirt could be looked at as a drawing or like a work of art. So if they take okay. a slogan and they put flowers around it in some kind of artistic way, that actually could be construed as a copyright. So in searching, you have to search both the copyright regulations and the trademark regulations to see if it's available. And then also, then you'd have to have a handle on how they're using it and what okay. geographical region they're using it in. Because if they're local, then you may still be able to have it at the same time that they have it. So it's a little bit more to that than just doing a trademark search and seeing that they didn't have it, you know. Okay. I would do a little bit more research beforehand. And if they did not register a copyright or a trademark, then I would put in the application for the registration, but then I would contact them. Okay. okay. You know, I, I would contact them to get a handle on whether or not that's a competitor or whether they intended to use it or how they were planning to use it. You know, I would get a better handle on it, you know. So would you call them up and say, hey, this is Stacy Q, and I see you have that shirt and I'm doing the same thing. What are you going to do or what have you? Or I mean, how would you well, approach them? Well, it depends. If she were my client, I would get a handle on when she first started using the the slogan. And I would establish a date, and I would establish a a way of use so that before I got on the phone with them, I'm prepared to say that my client was using the slogan prior to their using it. So I would do my own little homework before I got on the phone with them. But the reason why I I would give them some kind of notice is because the trademark office takes almost a year to go through the whole process, and I I would want to know within a year's time whether they're going to file a trademark or not, because I wouldn't want for my trademark to be denied because I'm competing with them, mm-hmm. and, and and we both have our applications in within the same year, and both of them get denied, or the okay. trademark office would recommend that we talk to each other, so you know to be above board. I would find out if there's, you know, what do you say, some way to get along. (laughs) (laughs) You know. (laughs) And that's where we come and we talk about partnering all the time, coming together. You know, we really have to do that. Um, We look at corporations that do it constantly. And uh, I was speaking with someone the other day. We were talking about rappers. I mean, you look at you can look at the top ten video, and you'll see someone like uh, what's his name, P P Diddy. I mean, he's in five other videos because collaborating. They're all collaborating. So. You know, that's, that's, right. Uh, that's right. Something that we have to start doing. So yeah, that's right. I mean, a piece of the pie is better than no pie. So that's right. <laughs> that's right. I mean, if you sitting on something and you know you can have it. If you come together, look how powerful you can be when you come together. I can't stop thinking about you know Southwest Airlines and AirTran. I mean, knowing how badly Southwest wanted to be in the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport. And now, with them merging with AirTran, now they're <laughs> that's a done deal by them coming together. Right. So, so uh, we have to start looking at that. So, what what would be the third top mistake that we make in business? You said the first one, of course, is we must do that research, 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 and then the second one was about understanding the difference of what intellectual property is. Now, what what is the okay. third? Well, the third one is 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 kind of simple. It is hiring an attorney that's not skilled with working with entrepreneurs, because as you know, Deborah, entrepreneurs have a little bit of a different way of thinking. 
you know, and and in terms of representing entrepreneurs, you have to understand that and be sensitive to the way that they think. And a lot of times, if you go to someone that is a general practitioner attorney, they don't understand your hustle. And Mm, because that's what it is when you start a business. (laughs) Yes. They don't understand your hustle. (laughs) I don't need you. Yes. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's right. So if they're working for a corporation especially, you know, if they're in in an IBM or what have you, you know, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I'm passionate about that. That's right. That's right. They can have a more lofty view and not understand that you're just trying to bring your dream to fruition the best way that Mm -hmm. you can. You know, and it's, it's the attorney's job to protect you in that effort to bring it to, to, to fruition. And you need mm-hmm. to get someone that is experienced with dealing with entrepreneurs. I, and that's I not everybody. I the same thing with tax preparers, too. <laughs> get you a tax oh, preparer that understands entrepreneur, that understands the business write-offs that you need. Because you right. can get with somebody, you can go to these mainstream tax preparation places and they tell you what you can't do and what you can't do and they've just been hired seasonal. Even if you call the IRS, a lot of them are seasonal employees and they don't understand, you know, that the, the, the tax code, first of all, is huge and it changes all the time. So you need to get with somebody that That's does right. business. But I won't get on That's that right. soapbox. <laughs> that yes, yes, That's I right. love it. I love it. That's right. Oh, one of our uh, chat room members, Space a Believer, wanted you to expound on wrong form of business. Now, I know we talked about understanding the differences between an LLC and and a DBA and and um, a sole proprietor, shall I say, and the S corporation and the regular corporation. How can a person, I guess, understand what? Form or what structure of business they should is there is there some some kind of place they can go and look at or uh, how would how would we even know what would be the best form for us? Okay, well, I mean, interestingly enough, I'm I'm having a webinar on the 28th of February, uh, and it's on the top 10 legal business mistakes, and that's where I'm going to expound a little bit more on all 10 of the items uh, because uh-huh. I know that our time here is limited. But um, essentially, you, you kind of you go backwards into your form of business. The first thing you have to do is to do your business plan. And from uh-huh. the read of your business plan, it becomes apparent what form of business you should have. You know, wow. I mean, another one of the top ten is not having a business plan. It's like uh-huh. it's, it's just flying by the seat of your pants, not having any direction. So if uh-huh. you would do your business plan, it would tell you whether or not you need investors. And if you need investors and, you know, they haven't, you know, you need shareholders, then you would want to go into an S corporation. If you don't need investors, then you would go into an LLC. Mm-hmm. If you, uh, I wouldn't recommend you be a sole proprietorship. There's too much risk involved in that. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's another option, a sole proprietorship or a DBA. But that that's not what I what, what I would prefer you do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you back into it based upon how your business plan works out, because a lot of times a business owner doesn't want to do a business plan because then it flushes out whether or not their idea is well thought out or not. Because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to just throw up a website and say that I'm in business, okay, our business, okay, I said that I'm doing business <laughs> and not go back. And do the numbers. So you gotta you mm. gotta be real with yourself in business, and you have to say, you know, I need to bring in this amount of business in order for it to be profitable. And once you go through that exercise, it tells you what you can and what you can't do with your business, and that backs you into your form of your structure. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. because and Deborah, one of the other top tens is starting a business while you're employed by someone else. Okay. Mm-hmm. And let's mm-hmm. say that I work for Exxon and mm-hmm. I'm starting my business as a consultant, a, a, you know, an a oil consultant, and I'm still mm-hmm. working at Exxon. One of the big mm-hmm. mistakes is not going through your paperwork when you were hired to oh. see whether or not you have a confidentiality agreement. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 because everything you create, 
can be can be belong to that corporation that you're working for, even though it's your idea. It could be. Mm-hmm. It could be. I mean, mm-hmm. there's something called trade secrets, mm-hmm. you know, where there's mm-hmm. things that you learn as an employee, and mm-hmm. those things can't be disclosed. So you can't mm-hmm. use them for your own business. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That is a valid point. I mean, we're not saying that don't you, you don't start a business because that's you know that's many ways that's where you where you have to start on a part time basis and that's encouraged to do. But mm-hmm. you're saying you got to make sure you understand what legal obligations you have to your company uh, that's right. before you 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 start that particular business that you're starting. Just to make sure that that's you right. know you can protect yourself, you can keep your ideas. Because uh, I have heard of uh, people who have invented things or uh, have come up with ideas, and because of the, the way their agreement was structured with their company, they could not execute that idea and have it be solely theirs. It, it, you know, they had, they had, in essence, sold their all their ideas and thoughts over to this company, this That's corporation. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's right. that is that's that's in those paperwork that paperwork that we actually sign. Right. 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 Wow. Wow. Well, this is great. We're tuned in uh, to part two of Is Your Brand Protected with Aurelia Mitchell Durant, Esquire. And we're talking today about the top ten most common mistakes, legal mistakes that people make in business as well. If you have a question, feel free to dial 347-838-9278. Press 1 so that we know that you have a question. We want to be able to get to you as well. Um, And also, if you have any other questions in the chat room, Please let us know We're going to take a short break and come back And then we'd like to learn what uh, Some of those other top mistakes are So hold one second And thank you for tuning in To Wealthy Sisters Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings But by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge And fly With Fortune 500 expertise The Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebeattygroup.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-T-I-E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877-264-7699. Would you like to reach quality professionals? Expose your product and services to thousands on a monthly basis? Advertise with the Wealthy Sisters Media Group. Our packages include both on-air and website banner placement. Call our offices today at 1-800-917-9435, extension 803, or visit our website at www.wealthysisters.com to begin building your brand today. We are live back on Wealthy Sisters with our phenomenal guest today, Ms. Aurelia Mitchell-Durant, Esquire. Visit her website at www.isyourbrandprotected.com. That's www.isyourbrandprotected.com. That's a great question. That's what we're talking about today. This is actually part two. She was here last week, and we had to bring her back. We had so many uh, questions from last week, and we're very grateful to have her here today. Now, you've mentioned that you're hosting a webinar on the 28th of February, you said? Yeah, I'm doing a webinar. It's on, on the top ten legal legal mistakes, and it's called Top Ten Legal Mistakes in American Business. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm going to expound and give some reference items to how you cure some of the mistakes um, in business. Okay. And um, it is actually available on my website, www.ismybrandprotected.com. I have a web event. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It's my brand protected. Forgive me. Uh, forgive me. It's my brand protected.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's my brand protected. And um, it's, a, it's a webinar. It's a one hour webinar where I'm going to go through the top 10 because I realize that in our time here, we may not be able to get through all of them. And I'm going to expound more on how you go about curing some of those. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So we've talked about the first three. What is the fourth one? Uh, the fourth one is a big one. It's um, copying contracts off the Internet is a big legal mistake to make 
And that's wow. because oftentimes you don't you don't really know what's in the contract, and it may not comply with state laws. So every law, every state has contract laws that should be incorporated into every agreement. But when you get it from the internet, you don't know whether or not it's in compliance. So that is a, a major mistake to make. Mm. Major mistake. Wow, to copy to copy information from the internet, copy contract information from the internet because of the state laws, the regulate. That's right, because everything is it is centered around the state first and then federal, huh? That's right, that's right. And there, you know, there you don't know where you're getting this contract from, or even what state often, because most people will just put in a search for you know uh, vendors contract, and they'll come mm-hmm. up with somebody's form contract. And they'll mm-hmm. use it and and not even have any clue that it doesn't comply with state law. Mhm, mhm. Yeah. So I I know that um, you assist people with that. What what are what you offering a special offer today for uh, the listeners that you have with your services as well? What what I know the package that you have. Um, what, could you elaborate a little bit more on that for us? Uh, sure. I provide a brand protection assessment. And um, the value of the brand protection assessment is seven ninety nine. Uh, however, today for the first five people to go to my website under the products tab, I'm giving it for one hundred and twenty nine dollars. Oh wow! And that's where mm-hmm, that's where I go through your business plan if you have it, or your business assessment, the marketing materials, and I identify items that um, you might want to be concerned about. You know, and I give you a report as to what things you can take care of now in order to get your brand protected. Wow, that's that's incredible. One hundred and twenty nine dollars. I mean, you can't get an attorney for less than a hundred dollars. A good attorney for a hundred dollars an hour. You, wow, that's that's wonderful. So, do you also help people with business plans as well, or do you re- uh, refer them? How how do how do you assist with that? Well, I refer them to uh, business coaches. I mean, I'll review them for the purpose of brand protection, but mm-hmm. I do have um, some business coaches that I refer them to that can mm-hmm. help you to flush out your business plan. You know, But I review it for my purpose, and then I move it on to somebody else that has a different purpose for it. You know, But I can certainly right. help with that as well. Right, right. That's that's good. Now, when we we talked about um the the example I think earlier in the show of um not not having your brand protected and having to wait with that lady in Salt Lake who had to after 10 years change her brand uh name and the domain names and I think last week we alluded to it a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about with the website and, and purchasing a domain name and what that really does. I mean, is that something that secures the brand? Does that show, like in the case of the question, the caller wanted to know if she's selling the T-shirts and who's selling them first, does that help add to your case, or how is that looked at in the courts? Well, the the website, the appearance of your website would be evidence of when you started using your mark. So, mm-hmm. if, for example, if you set up your website tomorrow, when you put in your application, you can say that I'm already using it mm-hmm. as of as of February 1st. So okay. it gives some evidence as to your actual use. But because okay. you have a domain name that happens to be your trade name, that doesn't mean that you have a guaranteed right to have the trademark. Uh, okay. Because there are still some companies that don't have a website. I think that we often think that everybody has a website. And sure, lots of lots of companies do, but there are still companies that don't. And they may actually own the trade name, but you have registered a domain name. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't that shouldn't give you comfort in thinking that you have both because you haven't. You don't have both. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a separate it's a separate process. Mhm. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a separate process. Wow. I mean, I think a lot of times we do sit here at the computer and we feel that that you know that's that one step there for us that that domain name is going to really make a difference uh, in in whether it is copywritten or what have you. And 
speaking of that, that Pullman copyright, I know that was another question that uh, came up. I got an email on that, and you did kind of answer that for us last week. Is that something that is really uh, able to stand up in court when you talk about songwriters as well? No, I mean, that that's something that does not stand up in court, and um, that's something Regardless that can be easily faced. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's right. I don't care what kind of envelope you put it in. You can put it in a, 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 a what do you call it, like a metal envelope, and it still is not going to matter. <laughs> you know, that is not something that you do with your valuable copyrighted item. That does not work. You know. Why do you I told think... you last week, you know, yes. you can Google how to fake a poor man's copyright. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> so... That's about how much it doesn't work and people have put up blog posts about it. <laughs> okay now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Now, I know another one of the questions that came from last week was about um some of those sites out there that, that does free copywriting or what have you. Why would why wouldn't you suggest not just because you're an attorney, but why wouldn't you suggest people use an attorney instead of using those free sites? Well, because there's a search, there is a search element that has to be done, mm-hmm. okay? And you, you have to search before you do the copyright. And also, you have to have an understanding of the classes of service. So mm-hmm. it's not so much, for example, if, if I'm talking to the young lady with the T-shirts, and um, I'm consulting her on getting a trademark on her her T-shirt line. As part of the conversation, I would ask if she intends to use that particular mark on anything else, like any T-shirts or not T-shirts, any any hats or other items. That's something that you can't get at when you're just doing it on the internet for free, mm-hmm. you know, because it may it may be to her benefit to register more than one class of service when she does the registration. Or it may be a trademark versus a copyright. Or maybe it is a copyright. And that kind of stuff you don't you don't get to know if you're using one of the free services because there's no dialogue. You don't get to explain your vision. Mm-hmm. It's assumed that you know what you're asking for, but what you're asking for may not be what you need. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Yeah. I mean, really, when you look at how you're saying what, how valuable is your what you have? I mean, you really want to make sure you're protecting it. We spend a lot of hard work, a lot of time putting it, building the brand. Uh, we definitely don't want to be in that situation like the lady in Salt Lake, you know, to have to build it and and it's not right. And when you talk about class of services, what what is that? I mean, what what do you mean by class of services? I mean, would we even know that from looking at that? So maybe you should even elaborate on that if you could. Okay. Because I always thought well, of copyright, but prior to, you know, us having conversation, copyright is a copyright. And you can you can operate once you have it, it's yours. But you're talking about a class of service. Well, see, a copyright, depending upon how you're using it, may really be a trademark. And mm-hmm. if it's a trademark, there are probably about 40 classes of service that you can fit into. And that's the way that you're using the mark today. And then there's another thing where you can file what's called an intent to use because you intend to use it in a different class of service. So, you know, it's more involved than just filling out an application and saying, give me a trademark. It's that you have to know how you're going to use the mark, how you're already using it, and how you intend to use it when you put in that application. Because it could be that your application could be rejected because you don't put the right class of service or you don't do the research to see that, hey, somebody else is using it for this class of service, but I can use it for this other class of service, mm-hmm. you know. So it's a little bit more involved than just filling out an application and paying a fee and sending it in. Mm-hmm. And because it takes a year, it kind of lulls you to sleep thinking that you're going to get it, and then here it could be a year later and it gets rejected. And so now you're right at the beginning. Wow. Why why is it such a long process? Why why is it a year? Well, I think that that's probably a bureaucratic reason why it's a year. Okay. Um, they okay. have a backlog. 
You know, okay. they have a backlog of work. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, foreign companies that are also registering trademarks here. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why my webinar is called uh, Top 10 Legal Business Mis- Legal Mistakes in American Business because mm-hmm. because of the Internet, we're in a global economy. So I have to specify what country I'm talking about because each country has its own different trademark laws. And when mm-hmm. a Chinese company wants to come into America to do business, they know to get a trademark registered. Mm-hmm. They know to do that already, you mm-hmm. know. So that's something that, you know, I, I want to educate us about doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is to get that trademark. So the trademark that I have, if I wanted to start doing business globally, uh, we would need to have something with that works for those individual countries. You're saying that's is, or is there something that you could get internationally that will cover you, like the UN or what have you? Well, there is an international convention that covers you, like the UN, in the case of infringement. But if you really seek to do business in Nigeria, for example, you do have to go to Nigeria and register the cop not go there, but you have to register the Nigerian copyright mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Ne- register the Nigerian trademark for each country that you intend to market to. Not mm-hmm. just on the internet, but if you really want to set up a storefront, for example, in Cape Town, you have to register your trademark there as well. Okay. Okay. Then that and again that's to protect you so that others are not using it or, you know, if there's somebody else using that same name as well. That's right, in that particular country. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One of the questions from the chat room is uh talking smooth jazz wants to know, do you recommend using the US patent and trademark office website? Uh, I do recommend using it. Um, however, it, it's, it's good to use it if you're only going to register a American U.S. trademark. But if you're going to go outside of the outside of the country, there's other other ways that you can do a search. But if you're just going to do a basic search just to see if something might be available, that works. The problem is that with the application procedure. It, when you do a search, for example, if I search for copycat, for example, um, I'm going to come up with whether or not copycat, the way that I express it, is available. And it may come up that it's available, but that doesn't mean that somebody does not have copycat, no, copyright, for example. And mm-hmm. so the trademark office may reject my copycat application because it sounds too similar to copyright. And I don't know that when I do a basic search because I'm not searching for those permutations. So it is a good way to do a basic search, uh, but there are other ways to do more extensive searches, you know. And that's something that I do. Like if if I'm searching a name, I do a more extensive search to see if there's any permutations of that name that could be taken already. So that I know in the example of doe girl, doe boy, I would know that I might have to call somebody and mm-hmm. work something out mm-hmm. beforehand, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Because the the big thing in trademark is the likelihood of confusion. Will mm-hmm. people think that your business is the other person's business? If you have copycat, uh-huh. will they think that you're copyright? Uh-huh. And will you uh-huh. be directing business away from them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just by virtue of having that trademark name, right? So the trademark office could brand. reject it. Mm-hmm, That's right. It, mm-hmm. it could re- they could reject your application because it's too similar, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you don't know that from doing a basic search. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the the biggest way that someone could reach you is to go to your website, um, which is is my brand. Protected.com, www.ismybrandprotected.com, correct? That's correct. Okay, and what is your your phone number as well that they can call? Because I know you have a special. It's normally $7.99 for a brand assessment, you guys. I mean, go ahead and invest in your business. This is a tax write-off. You know, you're serious about 2011 and and making sure that everything is right. Go ahead. The first five, I think you said, they can get it for $129. That's that's amazing. Uh, What what is the Mm -hmm. phone number that they can reach you at? 
Uh, the number is 877-374-3970. Okay. That's 877-374-3970. All right, we're going to take another short break. Come back. If you have a question, please dial 347-838-9278. Press 1 so that we know. Go ahead and get those questions asked now. If you have any in the chat room, you can let us know there as well. And uh, we'll come back and do our best to finish up the top ten. I think we're on number five now. Definitely want to see what the rest are. This is Wealthy Sisters, and our very special guest today is Miss Aurelia Mitchell-Durant, Esquire. We'll We'll be right back after this short break. Are you an entrepreneur who is always running out of time? Do you wish you had more hours in a day? My name is Rita Cartwright, and I'm a virtual assistant and owner of RJ's Word Processing Services. Start using your time wisely by outsourcing your administrative tasks to me, your virtual assistant. For more information, contact me today, toll-free at 866 866- Six five one three zero seven three, or visit my website at rjswordprocessing.com. Are you seeking stronger partnerships to leverage your strengths? Need to develop more winning strategies of success? Ready to increase your knowledge in the areas of investing, marketing, health and wellness, and the Green Initiative? Then join us for the second annual Winter Summit Conference and Expo, March 18th and 19th, 2011. Meet hundreds of professional women from all over the world who provide savvy advice, practical application for winning women. Reserve your space today at www.thewintersummit.com or call 1-800-917-9435, extension 805. with our very special guest, Ms. Aurelia Mitchell-Durant. And uh, you just heard that commercial about the Winter Summit. The tickets are going fast. Matter of fact, we've just um, sold out of exhibitor space. We're excited about it. I'm telling you, if you are serious about your business, this is the place for you to be. I get questions all the time. Is it for men? Yes. <laughs> we have men that are registered for this phenomenal conference, March 17th through the 19th, held at the Marriott in the Baltimore Inner Harbor. I'm telling you, we're going to have a ball. We've got a lot of phenomenal information talking about how to build your business credit so that you don't have to mess up your personal credit as well, proper marketing strategies, better branding, social media tactics, things that we need, practical information that if you uh, apply the knowledge that you get, I guarantee you, you will increase your bottom line. You know, we're saying we're teaching you how to locate, make, and keep the money in 2011. So you definitely want to go to www.thewinnersummit. That's like a champion. Thewinnersummit.com. Get registered today. Seats are going fast. We've got Howard Hewitt that's performing that Friday night. We've got a cruise that we're setting sail on the Baltimore Harbor as an icebreaker there on Thursday. And the Millionaire Luncheon, where we've got four dynamic sisters who built their business from the ground up and who are multimillionaires from that today. Not entertainers, which we love the entertainers, but these are people who have actually built a business um, outside of the entertainment world. So, yes, we can do all all types of things. So you want to be there to learn from them. It's an intimate luncheon as well. And uh, like I said, it's it's laid here. We've got the buffet ready for you. To, all you got to do is come and get it. And uh, seats are going fast. Matter of fact, uh, like I said, our exhibitor space is now gone. But um, we look forward to seeing you there. That's March 17th through the 19th at the Winter's summit.com. So, Miss Aurelia, we we talked about the top 5, I think. What what if we can squeeze in maybe hopefully three more? Um what would be number 6? Uh well number business mistakes. Mhm. Number 6 would be uh talking to folk about your your invention or your business idea without getting a, getting them to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Ah. Uh, mhm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that means at the begin the planning stages, you're you're so eager to talk about it, but you don't get them to sign an agreement that they won't disclose what you shared with them. Mhm. Because it could be something innocently that I mean they're doing and just talking excited for you, and they're sharing with someone else 
that maybe is a little bit more uh, savvy or quick to think about business and maybe, wow, that's an idea. Let me go and make that idea come to pass. And they don't even know that they shared that information, huh? That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it could be that they have more money than you do to bring it bring it to pass and, mm-hmm. you know, they talk to somebody else that has money and they just beat you mm-hmm. to the punch. You mm-hmm. know, like mm-hmm. the the you know, the example of the Sunday's best. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, Kirk Franklin was the host of Sunday's best. So there mm-hmm. there was money involved in that that she didn't have. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in talking about it, having them to sign a non-disclosure um, mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Oftentimes, that that goes to show how valuable your your idea is. And mm-hmm. I'm saying that any kind of concept that you come up with that comes from your mind is valuable enough that you should have somebody to sign a non-disclosure, mm-hmm. because they may not want to share your idea, but your idea is so valuable and so wonderful that it does yeah. need to be protected. Yeah. You know? And we need to start appreciating that and start treating our ideas like that and understand the value of it. I mean, if nothing else, for us, that exercise, for us to really see that that true value in it uh, as well, I think that's that's important but yeah, we do want to you know clear make clarity here that we're not implying anything with Kirk Franklin you were just saying that it's obviously that they were able to get a host like Kirk Franklin that obviously somebody mm-hmm. had some money to that's make this right. thing come to pass right right that's right, right. exactly that's right. exactly okay um another question that that came up in the chat room was wanted to know what happens if the business expands in other markets and I'm assuming that um, the, if they if they've had a trademark just in that area or what have you, or registered just for that area, now they're expanding. What happens? Do they go back to the trademark office, or how how does that work? No, the the a United States trademark at the federal level gives okay. you the right to use your mark throughout the country. Okay. If you okay. go to the state level and you register a trademark, you're limited to the state. But I always recommend that for the sake of growth, to register a federal trademark so that you can do business anywhere in the country without having to go back to the trademark office and change your registration. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, that makes sense. Well, I tell you, this call is going by so fast. The time, you know, really flies. We have maybe time for one more if you can share with us uh, number seven and uh, what what that would be out of the top ten most legal mistakes in business, American business that we make. Okay, number seven would be having employees or people working with you without an agreement. Mm. Okay. You know, where you intend for them to be independent contractors, mm-hmm. but you don't get around to doing an agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that that's huge, especially since we're talking tax time. That's yeah. huge. <laughs> wow. Cause, because what? Tell us quickly, because why? I mean, I can think of some things off the top of my head from personal oh, yeah. experiences oh, yeah. why we don't want to do that, but what? Well, I mean, you're, re- you're required to give a 1099 if, if the individual is an independent contractor. And if you give them a 1099, they pay taxes on it. But right. if you don't have an agreement, you go to give somebody a 1099, and they argue that they're an employee. Ah, okay, I because see. you didn't have an agreement. And in the IRS code, there's a certain definition for an employee, and that is if the employee was in control of the business. Mm-hmm. You know, so there are things that go into whether that person was really an employee or not. So now mm-hmm. here you are trying to give them a 1099, and they're arguing against it. And they can do mm-hmm. that because you didn't have an agreement that mm-hmm. said that they were responsible for their own taxes. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Because, because they're saying that you should have paid the taxes up front. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's okay. right, because okay. they don't want the 1099. But here okay. you didn't get them to sign an agreement before they started working. Okay, okay, and and also we need to be able to protect our brand and ideas and network and, and, and all of that. If you have people working with you and have access to your information like that, I mean, 
We hear about mm-hmm. Oprah, how she has herself protected. I mean, lot even if you go become a guest on her show. <laughs> That's right. It's like, That's right. Yeah, it's 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 amazing because people will um they will they will go and and try to use your information and uh use your network like that. Well, we have come mm-hmm. to the end of the show. We thank you again. They can go to www. Is my brand protected? dot com. Go there. Take advantage the first five. Take advantage of that package that she has available. Um, they can reach you at eight seven seven. What was the number? Eight seven seven three seven four three nine seven zero. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you again. Tune in next week. We actually have a special treat with Mr. Howard Hewitt joining us uh, on Wealthy Sisters. Looking forward to that. Of course, he's going to be performing at the Winter Summit, and he's dropping by to share with us next week. And we thank you again for tuning in. Please make sure that you follow us on the Internet there and uh, tell your friends about the show. We trust that you've gotten something out of it. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a super day. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters, brought to you by the professional black woman. Turning your concepts into cash. Join Deborah Hardnett, our host next week, as she interviews another powerful, progressive, and positive sister. And visit us on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. That's www.wealthysistas.com.